We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Mile high hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome in. Again, this is the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Lance Sanderson. Joining me, as per usual, is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Huddle senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. And Eric, was there anything big that happened this week in Broncos country? I mean, other than the absolute dismantling against the uh, Los Angeles Rams on Christmas? I mean, it's it's Christmas week. Not a a whole lot of big news happens or at least not that I'm aware of anyways. Yeah, I mean, I just basically did completely disconnected from football this week. So, I mean, maybe maybe the Broncos fired their coach and a couple other coaches or something like that. Who knows? I'm not sure. I, I, I don't remember anybody texting me vigorously or tagging me on Twitter or Facebook or <laughs> Instagram. Like I, Nobody nobody communicated um, with me on anything big. Ha- no, for real though, guys, obviously very disappointed, very disappointed here on Dove LA deep divers with uh, the firing of Nathaniel Hackett. Um, obviously Dwayne Stukes right along beside that Butch Berry as well. Um, been a, a rough week here in Broncos country for sure. Um, the, the news of Russell Wilson and um, the, the players coming to his defense, you know, it, it's just been, it's been bad. And really we're at the culmination of it. Like quite honestly, it's been ongoing since week two, for the most part, um, really a struggle, a struggle of the season, not the way that anybody envisioned it going. Uh, uh, certainly not myself with the, with the hiring of Nathaniel Hackett. I was kind of excited about that. The, obviously the news of bringing in Russell Wilson, super excited about that to see this team have what three, four wins and just playing like absolute dog crap in front of national audience on Christmas day is, is not the way that you want to go about the way that the season, man, it's, it's been frustrating for sure. Yeah. And I mean, on the Valley, the Valley, I'm on the record of saying that I didn't think Hackett was going to get fired in season. Well, that all changed when your own team gets in a fight on the sidelines mm-hmm. and you're in the middle of it, but you're not the one to calm it down. That was the ultimate embarrassment. That that was it for Hackett. Yeah, I, I, if that I, fight I, if that fight doesn't happen, he's still the coach. That fight was the deciding factor here. Well, it, that and Randy Gregory after the game getting into it with Ode Abushi too. I think that that might have had a little bit of it. But Dalton Reisner shoving Brett Rippin in the chest and then him not being able to break that up. Like, like you said, it was the key word to the entire thing. It was embarrassing. Like not only did you lose fifty-one to fourteen, but your players are fighting each other on the sideline. Now, I, I had somebody no, come and, out. Come, go and ahead. It's not necessarily that they were fighting on the sideline. 
It is that Hackett was in the middle of it and they were ignoring him. That just goes to show that they, they're, while they may have liked him in the locker room, that showed that they did not respect him enough. The yeah. ones who calmed that down were Latavius Murray and Cameron Fleming. Yeah. Like two guys that shouldn't have been starting and yet here they are starting. They calmed things down on the sideline, not the head coach. So yeah. that is why it wasn't the Gregory thing. Like I, I'm 100%. It was the fight on the sideline between Riser and Rippin. That was what got, got Hackett fired. Not the schlopping that they took against from the Rams, not the after fight or anything like that. It was the fight on the sidelines amongst the team. Well, and so to kind of piggyback off of that, we're going to say hello to, uh, we got first no fear here and with a couple of questions and I want to grab both of them because they're great questions here. Um, so we'll get to here here in a second. The the biggest thing, like you said, is it was embarrassing. And yeah. the the fight with him on uh, like in the middle of it on the sideline, like it, it goes to show first off that you don't have um, any respect from your players. It also goes to show the amount of respect that they have for a player like Latavius Murray, who comes in and grinds every single day. And he's been one of the better players on this Broncos offense for the since he's been signed. Like, quite honestly, the, the long runs that he's been able to break, the amount of touchdowns he's scored, just the consistency, even with the bad, the poor blocking up front. And then Cam Fleming, like you said, another guy that's not, it wasn't even supposed to be a starter on this roster, has been the most consistent offensive lineman we've seen on this roster since Garrett Bowles went down and even potentially even before he went down. It's the, the fighting on the sideline. Like, you, you, where you're pushing and shoving each other, it's emotional on the sideline. Football is an emotional game. I had a guy come back and say, well, it wasn't embarrassing. It's an emotional game. No, I, I call BS on that. You don't shove your backup quarterback in the chest and then threaten to fight him saying, do something, Rip. You do something. Come do something. I dare you. Like To call him out and actually like literally be into a fist fight, going into a fist fight on the sideline, that's not okay. You cannot have that in an NFL locker room. And for Hackett to be the guy in the middle of that, it's this this move had to happen. And I know Eric, you'd said multiple times, and Ben Albright on Broncos Country Night said multiple times that he was going to last the end of the season. When you have stuff like that happening at, as you're getting your ass whipped on national television, you have to pull the trigger on this move. I I applaud Greg Penner. I applaud George Payton for doing what they did. And quite honestly, I'm looking forward to seeing what this team looks like under Jerry Rossberg. Exactly the same. I'm not expecting anything different. The team, the roster's not good. It's so beat up. The roster's just not good. There is one question here I want to get to real quick um, from First No Fear. It says, hello, Eric Lance and Scott and all of Broncos country. Eric, I have a question. Why haven't you posted your player grades for the Rams game? Can you please post it? Thank you for the content. First of all, I... Thank you for checking those out. I'm always, every year I always have a conversation with Chad about how well those do and everything and if I'm going to do them or not. Um, so hearing people like reading those, I appreciate it. It's a lot of work and time put into them. The reason why it hasn't been posted is I have not watched the Rams game. I haven't had a chance to go back and watch it. Typically the week after Christmas, I kind of take a small step back for a little bit and spend time with family and everything like that, even though the season's still going on. So it's just, I've been spending time with family. My parents have been over every day this week. We've been playing board games and stuff like that and just hanging out. Um, so I, I haven't had a chance to watch it. As soon as I get it done and everything, I will probably I probably won't post it spe um, specifically for that game, but I'll definitely post something after the season that will cover what they got in the Rams game and maybe this week because I'm not sure if I'll be able to get to this week with you know New Year's being happening as well. But that's why. Yeah, it's 
it's been rough this month and I do apologize. I haven't gotten anything up this month either. Um, but with the family plans and stuff like that, trying to coordinate where we're going to be food, everything, like, you know how it goes. It's, it's crazy in December. It's um, I need to do something here in the next couple of days. I probably should go back over that Rams game and find a, a player that at least stood out. That was a positive to, to post and do a film breakdown for everybody. We've also got another question from first, no fear, but that's the over the overarching topic of tonight. So before we get into that, we're going to say hello to everybody in the chat. Jay Kozad. What's up, man? Uh, Michaela Israel. I believe that's a new name here. No, on she's been here before. Okay. So just don't recognize it. Uh, Jetty splash. What's going on? Uh, Mark Lindemood. Um, we got Mike Woodward in the house, Joe Brewer, um, Alessandro in the house as well, uh, Jay Gonzaga. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I, there it is. Got it. Um, what's going on, guys? Thank you all for joining us on Dove Valley Deep Divers. We appreciate you all for being here. Obviously, the big news of Nathaniel Hackett being fired is the big news of this week. But doing what we do here on Dove Valley Deep Divers, we're going to take a look into the uh, – the upcoming coaching candidates that the Broncos could potentially be looking for, maybe even do a little bit of the uh, the coaching staffs that can get into that, um, some potential draft prospects that we were kind of looking at here for the next couple of days, and just have a little bit of fun here tonight, get away from the uh, – have some levity, get away from the, the overall stress of the holiday season. So first things first, Eric, obviously – actually, hold on, wait a minute. We got a super chat coming in here. I'm not sure where that – there it is. It's Gary Palmer. Gary, what's going on, man? Pleasure to have you in the show as always. Hey, Lance, Eric, and Scott. I know the Broncos have deep pockets, but are Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh realistic? Let's just dive right into this. Uh, great question here from Gary. First things first, obviously the big the big ticket items in the coaching cycle this season are Sean Payton, formerly with the New Orleans Saints. Um, he's been retired for a little over a year now um, and has been doing some, I believe it's Fox NFL coverage there. And then Jim Harbaugh, obviously the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. They play tomorrow, I believe, in the college football playoff. Those are the two big ticket items. Eric, if you had to choose in a particular direction, which one of those guys would you prefer if the Broncos were to go in that direction? The one I prefer... Yes, prefer, um, prefer. Not what you think they're going to do. Which would you prefer they go? I prefer Jim Harbaugh, and I think that's the one that they realistically have a shot at. Sean Payton, I think, is a pipe dream. I know that ESPN released an article talking about it, but the I, and Greg Penner, I mean, he wants to make a splash at head coach. Understandable. But the, the football side of it with Sean Payton is – there's it's pretty well known Vic Fangio is his defensive coordinator that's going to be a hiccup there for Denver getting the rights to his contract away from the Saints is a hiccup for Denver because that's at a draft capital and that they got to give up and their goal is even though they were you know denying it in the press conference after firing Hackett their goal is to make Russ work trading away draft capital for the head coach even though it's one as good as Sean Payton like you're just hindering your ability to make Russ work. So I don't think Sean Payton's a realistic option here. And part of that is checking out some of the, you know, local media guys and that, that may or may not take their heading from, you know, the, the Broncos organization, but they're, they're starting to have these put out these tweets here that are kind of knocking on Sean Payton as his ability as a head coach. Oh, he only has one Super Bowl appear, um, one Super Bowl or 
He has one Super Bowl victory, and despite a constant top ten offense and having a top five quarterback all time, one Super Bowl. So things like that kind of suggest that Denver may not be on it, be really in on Peyton. And I don't think it's from Denver's side of it. I think Denver's interested. I don't think Sean Payton will be interested in the Denver drop, as well as the hiccups of making it work. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I, I, I guess I want to join in on the um, the hiccups of making it work, the, the logistics that's actually going to go down in trying to just acquire Sean Payton first and foremost he still is under contract with the new Orleans saints. First thing is like, that's the very first and foremost thing you have to examine here. So you can't just go out and hire a Sean Payton without giving up something. And the Broncos right now, uh, this was a few weeks ago, right after the Bradley Chubb trade, they had a first round pick, a third round pick, a third round pick from the Colts, a fourth round pick, a fifth round pick and a seventh round pick. That's not an entirely lot of draft capital. And this new Orleans saints are, without question, going to be at least asking for a first-round pick, possibly even more. So one, two, three, four, five, six total draft picks for the Denver Broncos this season, and they have a lot of holes that they have to try to address. First off, the offensive line is in shambles. Like, quite honestly, with Garrett Bowles and the injury that he has there, Dalton Reisner has not played up to what his standard should be. He like, As a second-round pick, he needs to be a much better player for this team. Um, Graham Glasgow has not been great. He's been okay, but he's not been great. Lloyd Cushenberry's been an abject failure and a disaster at the center position. Um, the right guard, Quinn Miners, is probably the only player that you can rely on as, a, as an incumbent starter going into 2023. And then the right tackle position, we all know, has been a revolving door. I mean, it's Billy Turner, Cam Fleming, uh, uh, Medelik Watson, Donald Stevenson, all the way back to Orlando Franklin. We just have not had an answer at the right tackle position. So you have to try to swing and and take it, and try to hit at a right tackle position for the foregoing future without question. Then you go into the other, the other aspects of things. You've got uh, Javante Williams. Coming off of a torn ACL and LCL, what's his status looking like going into this season? I mean, that's a 12-month injury for the most part. And he got hurt, what, week five against the Raiders? So there's a running backs definitely there. 
wide receiver. What's Tim Patrick looking like? Cortland Sutton hasn't been great. Jerry Judy could potentially be on his way out. KJ Handler cannot stay healthy enough. Kendall Hinton, while he's been at least a serviceable player, is not a really true long-term answer at the wide receiver position. Where do you go with that? Tight end. Your Greg Dulcich just got placed on IR earlier today. So there's there's a problem there. Albert Okuwebin, I'm probably on his way out. Eric Tomlinson, Eric Saubert, probably not going to be retained by this Broncos team. The offense has holes all the way across the front, no matter what position it is. The defensive line, interior defensive line has holes. You've got edge holes that you need to fill. Michael Ojemudia was waived. There's a cornerback issue there. You need another safety because Kareem Jackson's on his way out. We don't know what Caden Cerns is. You need these draft picks because you only have $19 million in cap space. You cannot give up these assets to go and get a coach like Sean Payton when you only have seven draft picks and you're not giving up future draft capital to do it. So miss me with this. And I apologize for it. Thank you for the rant. Um, Chris Hernandez. What's up, man? Uh, happy to have you here. Having a great night, fellas. Thanks for the insight. And Chris, thank you for your service. As always, it's always a pleasure to have you here, sir, with us. We do appreciate that. Eric, before we get to Deanna here, you want to kind of rebut on my big, what, three-minute rant that I just had there? So the the big thing is, is that the Broncos, with the cap space, I mean, Graham Glasgow's gone. Like, they're going to cut him. He's just not financially viable to keep on the roster at this point. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. When they restructured him before this season, like, it was saying, we're giving you one more year, then we're letting you go. Ronald Darby, he's probably on his way out the door. Alvaro Cuevanum's probably on his way out the door. So you can add cap to add cap back. But then even then, you're looking at a franchise tag for Draymond Jones at the very least. That's over $20 million right there. Yep. If they don't get an extension done, $20 million. Denver is realistically looking about $20 million in available cap space with, I think I did the math on it, like about $4 million of that has to go towards the draft has to be put essentially put on hold for the draft with yep. their first round pick and their two third round picks. It's, it's about four or 5 million. So 15 million, you're looking at at least three starters on the offensive line that you have to go out there and you have to get, let's say one of them is a draft. Well, you're still having to find two more. And even if Denver looks on the cheaper side of it, you're still, but I mean, quality cheapness to be, to be fair, you're still looking at about, eight to $12 million right there for two offensive linemen, unless they go super cheap. So there's only so much you can do with the cap room. I mean, I know everybody likes to say the salary cap's fake. And yeah, when you have rich owners, you can really manipulate the salary cap a little bit more, but there's still so much and working that salary cap. Eventually it's going to come due. Yep. And I think that with the status of Russell Wilson after 2023 up in the air with a potential June 1st cut in 2024, then you don't want to sit here and make these contracts that are high up on bonuses and roster bonuses and stuff like that to have these cap hits after Russell Wilson's gone to where, and then you have this to, so you can sit there and go all in on a rookie quarterback in 2024 and go and get the roster around them. Then capitalize on that rookie quarterback contract. So when you trade away that draft capital with six picks and you're trading draft capital for Sean Payton, well, you're saying goodbye to your first-round pick this year, at the very least. That right there is taking you out of the offensive tackle class. Like you're not getting a you're not getting a starting quality, most likely. I mean, obviously, lower picks can always exceed expectations, right? Because after the second round, this tackle class drops off significantly. So after the no offensive tackle. 
after the top 50, this tackle class drops off significantly. There's a couple, there's a couple guys in that 50 to 60 range, like that are fine. But right now, obviously that can change a lot over the draft process. And then on top of that, I don't think the saints are going to sit here and say, Oh yeah, your first round pick this year. That's about, that's going to be looking like a bottom 10 pick. I think it's actually guaranteed a bottom 10 pick playoffs. I don't know right now, how everything looks there. Um, I don't think that's going to be enough. So they're going to sit here and say, we also want your 2024 first or your 2024 second. That is a situation where if the Pen- Walter Penner group does, I'd question them a little bit because you shouldn't be going, should, uh, for 2023, you shouldn't be jeopardizing post Wilson, which is something that they have to factor. As much as I know that it would suck to do that, I'm, we made this big trade for Russell Wilson. He hasn't panned out. You don't want to really cut him after two years. But it's trending that way, and it's going to depend yeah. on how he does next year. He can't be a bottom ten quarterback like he was this year. Get paid what he's getting paid, and sit there and be like, "Okay, yeah, we're fine with this." Yeah, we'll let this sit for a little bit too long, and I do apologize for that. Deanna Hendry jumping in here with a very generous super chat, and thank you, Deanna. We appreciate that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's going to be John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh, excuse me. Uh, ownership said they have a personal and professional history and are working behind the scenes. Happy New Year to all you guys. Hashtag MHH for life. So moving away from uh, Sean Payton, obviously the next big guy here is Jim Harbaugh, obviously the head coach for the Michigan Wolverines um, vying for a potential national championship here this weekend, um, or at least an opportunity to go to that game. Um, this is my preferred option. If there was anyone that I was like really pounding the table for, like last year, I was huge on Dan Quinn. He's number two to me. I, I, I believe that Dan Quinn is the second best option for this team. Jim Harbaugh is without question the number one option for me in this Broncos team. And the reason why I say that is first off, he has a lot of head coaching pedigree dating back to his time at, I believe it's the University of San Diego. It's not San Diego State. I believe it's University of San Diego. Um, then with Stanford, then with the San Francisco 49ers, and now for several years here with the Michigan Wolverines. This guy's been a head coach for a long time, and the Broncos need an experienced guy, a guy at the top that's an adult in the room that has experience across multiple levels and a lot of success in doing so. He's turned that Michigan program from what it was a laughing stock when he first took it over to one of the most perennial playoff contenders, national championship contenders we've seen in college football, not named uh, Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson. Like Michigan's always in the fold. He went to a Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick at quarterback. And not to drag Colin Kaepernick, there's multiple different things you could say on that front. I'm not going to get into that. Russell Wilson, the way more talented and way more capable quarterback than Colin Kaepernick ever was. There's just plain and simple truth and fact. 
he's going to come in here and he's going to tell Russell Wilson, this is how it's going to be. Like we can be friends. We can have buddy, buddy time all we want to. This is how it's going to be. And he's going to round this roster into shape and he's going to take advantage of what this team has. There's working relationships with him going to Raheem, uh, Raheem Mostert or uh, Raheem Morris, I believe. Um, and Ajiro Evero back in his time in San Francisco. Like there's a, an opportunity to keep this defense intact. This is the number one guy. And I, that like, I would do anything to get Jim Harbaugh on this roster. Yeah. Before I re- um, mentioned talk about Jim Harbaugh, my thoughts on that Phil McLaughlin comes in and evening Lance, Eric and Deacon Scott, did we lose anyone this week besides Dulcich? Um, I don't think so, Mm-mm. but I've been kind of outside of the, you know, the big stuff. I've been kind of tuned out of the, the Broncos this week a little bit, you know, spending time with my daughter, all her toys that she got for Christmas that killed my wallet. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of wallet with Jim Harbaugh, my question is how much is it going to take him to get him to leave Michigan? Because he's, he makes about $7 million on an average per year basis at Michigan. It's a little bit over than that. And that's that's a pretty good contract, especially for college coaches. There's, I think, three college coaches that make more than ten million dollars on an average per year basis. Um, I think, off the top of my head. Um, so you've got Saban, purple. Lincoln Riley, and I believe Ryan Day just got an extension to get him over ten. But it's if, not- if Ryan Day, if Ryan Day, then I think it's four because Dabo Sweeney. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, and then you have to factor in NFL contracts. There's not many coaches that make on an average per year basis that are making more than 10 million. So if you're giving Jim Harbaugh a $10 million on average per year base contract for the NFL, that's like top eight in the NFL, which I'm fine with. But the conversation becomes 12, 13 million, because on an average per year basis, Bill Belichick makes an average of $20 million per year. Pete Carroll is second at $15 million per year. I think the next closest is 12. Sean McVay got a huge bonus or got a huge um, extension on his, which raised his up. And I think that he's the, I think he's the one that's sitting just under 12 million. Can't remember exactly for sure. I was looking at the numbers the other night. Um, right. So it's that, that's where it is. I like Jim Harbaugh. I like his ability as a coach. I like what he has done, but it's been eight years since he's been in the NFL. And that is a long time in the NFL with the game changes. Fortunately, he hasn't been completely away coaching Michigan, which is a high pro, a high quality program in college. So it shouldn't, it's not like he was so far away from the game that he shouldn't be able to adapt. The big thing for me is the coaching that he brings with him is how much, like how much is he worth depends on that. Because my concern is that there's talk of the Ravens moving on from Roman I don't want Roman in Denver. I don't think he's the right offensive coordinator to work with Russell Wilson. Right. You're talking. I think that it's yeah. Greg Roman. I don't think that he, I don't think he's the best option there. Um, So that that's also a factor in it for me. I like Harbaugh, but it depends on who he comes with him. And it's the same thing with Quinn. I like Quinn as a coach candidate, but the fact that he, that he's linked to Brian Schottenheimer and Derek and um, Bevel, miss me with that i don't want yes men for russell wilson right i don't and that's what those two coaches are david yeah. mcilrath comes in with a five dollar donation thank you david we appreciate that thanks dave appreciate it man um so with harbaugh i'm, I'm still kind of struggling to really wrap my head around what uh 
what his staff is going to look like. Obviously, you talked about Greg Roman, but then there's the other guy that was the guy that was groomed behind um, Jim Harbaugh at Stanford, David Shaw, who's an offensive guy, an offensive line guy. He was, I believe he was the offensive line coach at Stanford and then was uh, promoted to the head coach when Jim Harbaugh took uh, the job with the San Francisco 49ers. David Shaw is a, a hell of an option. He's a guy that's been like, talked about several times as a head coaching candidate at the NFL level. So I, I just, I don't know exactly how that staff's going to shape out. Um, I, I believe Jim has some uh, experience with Frank Reich there a little bit as well. I, I may be mistaken on that one. I'd have to double check there, but I believe they have some experience together working together. I, I think they were actually teammates with the Colts there for a little while as well. So there, there's a, there's a potential connection there for a, a veteran, a veteran offensive coordinator to come in and kind of take the reins and whatnot. Yeah. So I, I think that, Harbaugh, even despite the absence from the NFL level, the, the experience that he does have as that head coach, the CEO, he's a great recruiter yeah. as well. Like he always has a lot of high quality recruits coming in. So there's a draw there. There's a, there's an opportunity for him to potentially be a, a lure from for some free agents coming into Denver as well. So maybe you can get some guys to take a little bit of hometown discounts, more or less, that you know, just to come and 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 help out with this team. Um on the real defensive quick, side, of the, go ahead, go ahead. Real quick, I want to jump in here. I wasn't saying Harba is a yes man. I was saying Schottenheimer and Bevel, the two that are linked yeah. with uh, Dan Quinn, they're Russell Wilson yes men. They were in Seattle, and they continue. The odds are they'll continue to be. That's who I was talking about with that. Not Harba. Harba is anything but a yes man. There is no doubt yeah, about that. You're, you're and then with correct. and then with David Shaw, he was the offensive coordinator and the wide receivers coach, and then okay. offensive coordinator and running back coach under. Jim Harbaugh there at Stanford. I, I thought he had some offensive line background in there as well. So I, I do apologize for that. But regardless, um, like that that's a that's a high quality coach to have on his roster, uh, on his coaching staff. So Harbaugh is probably the most enticing in terms of the experience that he has, the the staff that he's going to bring with him. And even though we don't know exactly what that that is right now, it, it's almost like watching Deion Sanders at the University of Colorado you know that what he's bringing with him is going to be high quality. First off, the players, including class, is just gigantic. Andrew Sanders, his son, obviously going to be the quarterback there. Travis Hunter, that wide receiver, his number, it was a, a five-star recruit um, coming out of high school. Uh, it, instead of going to Florida State, decided to go to Jackson State to go coach uh, or to go uh, be coached under Deion Sanders. Like, it, uh, there's – then with what D, uh, Dion was able to do, bringing in a, a former head coach as an offensive coordinator, Mike Zimmer as his defensive coordinator, former head coach in the NFL. Like there's a lot to like with what uh, Dion Sanders is able capable of doing there in, um, in Colorado, Jim Harbaugh is going to bring the same thing. Like he's going to have the best of the best coaches following him. He's going to have a lot of high quality connections. He's going to have a lot of players that want to come and be coached by Jim Harbaugh. So I think that that, really is the uh, um, the big ticket item here. To get away from Harbaugh for a minute, because first, no fear, this is the question that we were going to get back to, and thank you for jumping back in here. What are your top five head coaching candidates? I think that we kind of touched on at least my first two with uh, Jim Harbaugh and Dan Quinn. Um, the next one for me is another first-time coach. Um and the work that he was able to do not only with Justin Herbert back when he was with the Los Angeles Chargers, but after he was hired by Nick Sirianni to become the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles, Shane Steichen, man, 
Um, the, the work he's done with, uh, with Jalen Hurts after Nick Sirianni gave up play calling, they completely retooled that offense and they created a, a machine. That Philadelphia Eagles offense with what they do with Jalen Hurts and the, his athletic ability, his throwing ability, um, and, and uh, the leadership ability that Jalen Hurts has right now, I think that that is something you can translate to. With Nick Sirianni, with Nick Sirianni taking that step back, Shane Steichen taking the lead there, if he is the guy that the Broncos want to go with as a first-time head coach, that's my preferred option. Eric, what do you think on Shane Steichen? I really like him. He's one of my favorites, but unfortunately, I don't think the Broncos will seriously look at anybody who doesn't have prior head coaching experience, which I think is stupid. Um, I, I think Likewise. It's, 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 it's the same thing with cutting off like offensive or defensive mind. Why would you cut your candidates in half before you even really get around to interviewing? I yep. hate that. I hate that kind of mindset um, with that. So I really like Steichen. I like what he has done because not only is has he did he take over as the play caller last year from what i have heard and what i have from people i've spoken to and everything with it is that this year's offense is more of his offense than what Sirianni brought that they really adjusted it for what Steichen or Steichen likes what he wants to do which he helped mold around Jalen Hurts and their other playmakers like yeah it's it's just great what he has done so he is that is one guy what that is one reason why I really like him. Ben Johnson out of Detroit, what he has gotten out of Jared Goff by really designing this offense to fit what he can do. I really like Ben Johnson's candidacy. There's a lot of cheddar going around though, that if Carolina Panthers don't make Steve Wilkes the um, full-time head coach, Ben Johnson's probably the guy there though. Survivor 46 is here. And so is on fire. The only official survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I, I heard some rumors uh, from Ben Albright the other day. It was between Ben Johnson and Shane Steichen because apparently the uh, the uh, Dave Tepper, the owner for the Panthers, who wants to have his fingerprints on everything from the sound of it, really likes the idea of pairing Shane Steichen with uh, C.J. Stroud. And to me, that doesn't make sense. Like, why would you pair a immobile quarterback with a guy like Shane Steichen who wants to have the quarterback being mobile and moving around and throwing on the run? CJ Stroud is not a mobile quarterback. He makes more sense with Ben Johnson. So if you're looking CJ Stroud to pair with anybody, Ben Johnson makes more sense than Shane Steichen. And I could see quite honestly, either one of those guys having a little bit of success there, but uh, I would rather see Shane Steichen be paired with uh, um, Bryce Young than CJ Stroud. Eric, what do you think on that? Really fast, just real quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, good offensive minds, they tailor to their quarterback. That's true. Like, let's not forget Steichen worked with Justin Herbert, so it's not like he doesn't know how to work with a pocket passing quarterback. Uh, John Clay came in and said, Evening Lance, Eric, and Deacon Scott. I think the Panthers will offer Harbaugh seven years, $196 million. Russ might be fixable, but I think the Broncos should draft Hendon Hooker in the third round to be prepared. Um, quick math on that. That's, what, $28 million on an average per year basis? You're way, better at you're way better at math than I am because I'm not a math guy. So, it, yeah, no. Um, like, well, I mean, it's 1456. So, yeah, 28 million. 
Like that's more on an average per year basis than the highest paid coach in all of sports, not counting soccer. Cause outside of Scott, most people, most Americans I'll say don't care about soccer. Um, <laughs> but seriously, I mean the highest paid on an average per year basis is bill Belichick at $20 million, $20 million on an average per year basis. And you want to give, and you think that they'll offer him $8 million more than that. Yeah. I don't know about that one. I, I think that they'll offer him a good amount of money, but I think that 10 to 15 range is probably where we'll find him, not 28 million. Um, but the rest of it, I definitely agree with Hendon Hooker. Uh, maybe not the third round. Maybe if he's there in the fourth, I like what, I mean, but the issue is Hendon Hooker is going to be 25 years old, which is typically the death age for a quarterback in the NFL if they have gotten it by now. Um, so that is a concern there. Plus, you know, the injury, but yeah, I'm with you. They should definitely draft the quarterback because if Russell Wilson's not fixable, they could start working with somebody now and, you know, having a, having the new coaching staff be able to go get a quarterback that they want to work with and develop can help make a not so enticing job a little bit more enticing. Yeah. I want to jump back with this on, on John Clay really fast, but we have to show some massive support here for Deanna who, off the top rope off of Mount Everest, essentially drops down massive super chat. Thank you, Deanna. We appreciate that so much more than you even understand. Uh, once the coaches decided we need an offensive line, they are cheap. So get the best out there uh, two to three deep with a complete offensive line. Wilson will start to shine. Um, First things first, I, I 100% agree with you that offensive line is the number one priority, in my opinion. I think that that is the biggest thing, but it's not going to be cheap. Um, not to get quality, especially not in this free agent cycle. The Without looking at it off the top of my head, like you're you're looking at Taylor Decker, Taylor Lewan, I believe. Um, we just saw uh, the other tackle for the Titans get sniped up for – four years and $65 million. Like it's, it's going to cost a lot to get this offensive line. It, it, not only in, in free agency money, but in terms of draft capital with what the Broncos currently have. And there's a potential possibility that Garrett Bowles is also on his way out the door. Like it's a restructure for him or potentially watch him trade him, cut him, save some money as much as you can. It's, it's, it's going to be hard to rebuild with what this offensive line is. Not to d deter from your original point, and D, thank you so much, Deanna. We really appreciate that. Not to deter from your original point. Offensive line is most certainly the one thing that this Broncos team really needs to focus on this year because you're right. With, with more offensive line help, with the way that Russell Wilson has been playing, not utilizing his legs, not getting outside of the pocket, extending plays and stuff like that, really focusing on being a pocket passer – Without an offensive line that can hold for four seconds with the way that he wants to throw the football, it's it's going to be hard to see this team succeed. It's not only on the offensive line. Wilson needs to be better, but getting players, getting healthy is a big thing for this team, specifically up front. Deanna, thank you so much for the $50 donation super chat. We yeah. really appreciate it. We appreciate you. And you've been a huge supporter of all the pods, especially recently. Yeah. So thank mm -hmm. you so much for that. I hope you had a wonderful holiday and I hope you have a wonderful new year. Um, but, and your point is exactly on. I don't necessarily agree with Russell and will start to shine, but you have to, you have to overhaul the offensive line. Like one of the things that I was very questionable about Peyton this last year was how little he did on the offensive line. Like, 
you can't go into the season with your two offensive linemen competing for your right tackle job being Billy Turner, who was hurt, and Tom Compton, who was hurt. You can't have that and sit there and be shocked that your offensive line's not holding up or you're having to constantly change up guys at the right tackle position because they're getting hurt. So you got to go and do that a little bit more, and you can't be cheap because if you go cheap, you're going to get those guys who are often injured. And, I mean, at tackle, like, there's some decent options at tackle, but that's going to be expensive and because of just how expensive the tackle position is. And then guard guard and center, like, that's a little bit cheaper, but it depends on what kind of quality you want. What tier you want depends on, obviously, how much you're going to pay. And Denver might be in a situation where they might have to pay a little bit more to try to entice guys because, again, the, the Broncos aren't exactly a desired location to play at the moment. Like, so, I know that I know as fans, that's going to be that's hard to hear, but the Broncos just aren't that enticing. They're not enticing as a job for head coaching candidates. They're not enticing for players. What they have going for them is money, and we all know money talks, but how much can it talk over the other things? And then, real quick, here, um, well, William, I just want to get this real quick. William Godwin says, I'm not crazy about this quarterback class when you look at what's coming next year. I definitely agree with you. Next year, it looks absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. But I'm in the mindset, every year you draft a quarterback. Every year. Yes. I don't care. Draft a quarterback every year. Yes, absolutely. And So let's go back to the, the offensive tackle really fast. And I want to address your uh, drafting a quarterback every single year. Because there's a guy that I really like in the later rounds, potentially as, a, as an option for this team to kind of take a look at. Um, you're talking about obviously having Billy Turner as the the primary option for what George Payton brought in. Uh, Tom Compton, another option there. And then they also extended, a, a, I believe it was a restricted free agent tender or something like that, to uh, Calvin Anderson, who was better on the left side than the right side. But the other player that's actually been, we talked about him earlier, the most consistent offensive lineman, no matter if he lined up on the left side or the right side, and Cameron Fleming. Like, what do you what do you think about bringing Cam Fleming back on a another cheaper prove it deal and say you know you played well we're, we'll give you the incumbency on the starter but we're going to draft a tackle behind you it may not be in the first round it may not be in the second round but at least get a guy as a as a cheaper option and I'm not going to say he's been outstanding because he, he hasn't he hasn't been outstanding but he's at least been a solid player. For a guy like that, that you can get back with like less than $4 million ish because he's going to be a swing tackle, potentially be a, a guy that's going to land, land as a quality backup, especially if you draft a guy and you believe in that guy. I, I think that Cam Fleming is a, a priority for this team moving forward, at least for this upcoming season, with, 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 with where they're at with, with the, the salary cap, anyways. I'm not re signing Cameron Fleming with the promise that he's going to be the incumbent at right tackle. No. Well, so like I, I'm I'm sorry, like he's exceeded expectations this year. Right. He should be brought back, but it shouldn't be as the incumbent. It should be we're gonna look at you as the second or third offensive tackle, this backup swing tackle that you gotta compete for. Because quite frankly, while he has been solid this season as a starter and exceeded expectations, there is a reason why he was available for so cheap. Like right. when he has been a consistent starter outside of this year, it hasn't been great. So is this year a flash in the pan? We don't know. And then real quick, Alessandro says, we can't replace the entire offensive line, Eric, LOL. Uh, I'm not saying replace the all entire offensive line. And if you're going to do it, this is the year to do it. 2023 yep. is essentially going to be a wash, in my opinion, because I don't have much faith in what Russell Wilson can turn around and do. 
it wasn't just Nathaniel Hackett getting rid of him is not going to magically fix Russell Wilson. A lot of the issues with the offense were because of what Russell Wilson wanted. So you take this time and you replace what on members of the offensive line you can. And I'm not saying you replace the entire offensive line in the first place. You have Quinn Miners at right guard, even though his year hasn't been as great as a lot of people make it out to be. It's been good enough to where you can sit there and run with him as the right guard again and hope that getting something better around him could help him out. And I'm not for getting rid of Garrett Bowles, even though he was struggling this year before he got hurt, is you're getting rid of him. Yes, you're freeing up a little bit of money, but you're just adding another hole to this roster. If they had somebody who was ready to step in at left tackle, then fine, but they don't. So I'm not saying Garrett Bowles, but you have to replace Dalton Riser. You have to find a quality center, and you have to find somebody at right tackle. And it doesn't matter how you look at it. It's what they have to do, period. Even if they bring back some of these guys, you still have those three holes on the offensive line because they have been the three weakest spots on the Broncos offensive line this year. you got to go and you got to address those three spots. That's what I'm saying. Not all five, those three, and then go sign some guys for cheap to help potentially help the depth. I don't disagree with you in everything you just said. It's a, it's 100% accurate. Reisner has been bad. Glasgow, while he's been okay and better than Cushenberry, he's not – a guy that you want to bring back at that cap number. Cushenberry has been, like I said earlier, an abject failure. Luke Wattenberg looked, oh my goodness, God awful as a rookie. And granted, he's a six round rookie. So what do you expect? I, I don't know. I just, I, I think that out of the guys that the Broncos have right now on the roster, Cam Fleming is the one that I would be willing to bring back. And I'm not saying to make him the incumbent starter, but at least give him, uh, give, him a, give him an opportunity to go out and compete for that with him being the first guy in the rotation. Like, we'll, we're bringing it back, and we'll see what you can do. We're going to draft somebody, maybe bring in a, another guy as well. But you're going to be the first guy up. You played well enough to at least have that opportunity. So I, I said incumbent starter, but at least what I really meant was to be the the, the first guy up in that rotation for, for what it is as of right now. So – being on the same page there, I, it, it's hard. It, it, it's so hard right now with, with where this Broncos team is at because the, the offensive line needs rebuild. You need to have your $250 million quarterback start playing like a $250 million quarterback. You don't have a lot of draft capital and where you're sitting at right now based on what preliminary scouting is or before the, the – the, uh, the bowl games were before the senior bowl, before the East-West Shrine game, before the combine, before the final tape grinding is gone. At this particular point where you're at in the draft order, there's not a quality tackle or interior in, uh, interior offensive lineman like ready for you there at 25, 26, 27, wherever the 49ers are going to be picking. How do you start? Like where Where do you start with this limited draft capital that you currently have right now a first round pick on a tackle that's what dewan jones from ohio state it's anton harrison from oklahoma are those guys really worth the 27th overall pick in the nfl draft probably not like i i like jones i think that he's uh i, I think that he has great mobility great length but he's also got issues in pass protection he's not the greatest run blocker Anton Harrison is a super smooth athlete, but he's Charles Cross 2.0, super weak on the outside. He's not going to be a guy to go grind you in the running game. But you can uh, teach it. I mean, as can. much issues as I've had with Charles Cross, like if you go watch him play, his physicality showing up. 
Yeah, it like, is. It is. So you can teach that. And with this offensive tackle class, like I think there'll be more talent there in the 20s than people think. Because from listening to other draft people, listening and having conversations with people, this tackle class seems to be getting a little overrated. It is. Um, there's a lot of people talking about, oh, three or four guys in the top 15, whereas all these you know, other draft analysts and other folks around the draft center are saying, you got one top 15 talent, Paris Johnson out of Ohio State. He's the only one. You have them talking about yeah. DeWan Jones in the second round, not a top 50 pick. You have Broderick Jones that maybe, depending on what he does to the draft process, maybe he can get into that top 15 range. Yeah, Peter Skaronsky, who a lot of people talk about as one of the top offensive tackles in the class, but then they turn around and say is, he's probably going to be moved inside. He's probably not going to be playing tackle in the NFL. There's a lot of folks that talk, think about Peter Skaronsky as best at center, which I don't fully disagree with. When I watched him, because he played center there for a little bit at Northwestern, that's where he looked the best at to me when watching him. Anton Harrison, again, you can t- work on the physicality of it. Darnell Wright, even though he's not the best athlete, well, you can work around that. And yeah. one issue with with offensive tackles too is guys who are scheme diverse that boosts their value. They'll go a little bit earlier. Yep. So you got to. So when you're looking at you know picking around 27, you do have to factor in the scheme. And quite frankly, we don't know what the scheme will be next year. We don't know yeah. if there'll be more inside zone. We don't know if they're going to be more pa- or more gap. We don't know if they're going to go full into the outside zone. We just don't know yet. So that makes it a little bit harder with it. With where we where to go with it but i think that there will be some tackle options available because this tackle class is getting overrated a good amount in my opinion well the the one that i was super intrigued by with the the length and athleticism uh physicality that he plays with um uh, but super raw in his footwork hand placement he's some severe overhauling jalen duncan from maryland like that guy is a freak athlete for his size and he's super long like that's a guy that i really am kind of intrigued at taking a look at i need to watch some more tape of him i'm probably going to do that here in the next couple of days but before we get into that freddie jumping in here five dollar super chat who are the top offensive line free agents so i pulled up um over the cap.com uh 2023 free agents orlando brown from the chiefs george fant from the jets that's uh left tackles Roger Saffold, right tackle or right guard, excuse me, from the Bills. Isaac Sayumalo, left guard from the Eagles. Matt Pryor, left tackle from the Colts. Justin Pugh, left guard from the, the Cardinals. Cam Irving, right tackle from the Panthers. Mike McGlinchey is probably the biggest name as a right tackle from the 49ers. Um, no specific order here. I'm just kind of reading off the names. Uh, Andre Dillard, left tackle from the Eagles, um, former first round pick there. Uh, Dan Feeney, former first round, or excuse me, his former second round pick from the Chargers, who's the left guard from the Jets. Um, Trey Turner, right guard from the Washington Commanders. Riley Reif, um, left tackle from the Bears. Um, it doesn't look great in terms of agency. Like you're going to have to go with some bargain players unless you're willing to go and spend 16, 17, 18 million dollars for Mike McGlinchey to come and play your right tackle. Like it, it's not great out there this year. And we'll see. We're going to see what happens more when 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 free agency opens up. Some players are going to get cut. There's going to be some uh, cap casualties and stuff like that. They're going to happen. That's as of right now. Obviously, uh, it's December 30th. So there's a lot of time between now and free agency. But those are the the top offensive line free agents as of right now, according to OverTheCap.com. Oh, Caleb McGarry. Yeah, that's a uh, the the right tackle for the Falcons. Yeah, that's a good shout from Scott jumping in here really fast. Um, I. I 
I appreciate that. That's a uh, former first round pick from UCLA, I believe, uh, Caleb McGarry. So yeah, that's that's a good shout there too as well, Scott. Thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, there's there's options available. I mean, there's a lot of guys that I think that are better that are available that are better than the ones you named off. Um, but it just again, it's when you're going for higher quality, the more you're going to have to pay, and that's where the whole salary cap does become an issue for the Broncos. There's only so much you can work around it without handicapping future years because to work around the salary cap, you put in a lot of roster bonuses. You put in bonuses after for later on down the road that come off the salary cap and everything like that. And it just it hurts. And that's not something that the Broncos should be doing when you don't know the status of Russell Wilson beyond 2023. If Russell Wilson was playing great this year and you were confident he can keep it up in 2023, then all all by all means go for that, but you just don't know what you're getting out of Russell Wilson. So going back to the topic of it, we talked a couple, about a couple of our, I believe four now um, candidates for the coaching position. Who's your fifth? Who's, who's the final guy? I mean, obviously we're eliminating it significantly with only five guys, but who'd be your fifth guy? It's hard because I, I want to see what he would be able to do with this defense. But at the same time, I'm not sure that uh, – well, maybe they do actually work well together. Um, Demeco Ryans, the defensive coordinator from the San Francisco 49ers, is is my, my next guy up. You want to talk about a leader, a guy that is revered by his players, a guy – and that to me – and Eric, I want to ask you this question really fast before I dive into it. Um, the, the, the top quality that you want from your next head coach – what 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 is it? Um, leadership, um, adult in the room. Like, like, what is the top quality you're looking for? Because mine happens to be reverence. My players need to revere who my head coach is. It's more than respect. It's more than leadership. It's more than X's and O's. It's when you walk in the room, everybody knows that you're there. They just you command that room. You're revered by your players. To me, that's the biggest thing. And to me, Demeco Ryan's really meets that that aspect of things right now. So the quality that I'd be looking for the most, and it's a little, I mean, it's not super complicated, but at the same time, it can be balance. Can you balance being player friendly but not being a walking mat? That's a good. Can one. you balance being a CEO type? while still having a hand in your side of the football. Mm -hmm. Can you balance all these things, balance the whole thing of, okay, you're going to have your hand on the defense if you're a defensive-minded coach, while still focusing on game management? Mm -hmm. Can you have that balance that you need for a to be a head coach? And when you look at some of the best head coaches in the NFL, not all of them had it to start. Like, there's no doubt about that. I mean, there's been plenty of issues for them, but they've all found it and they all found it pretty quickly. So I, I think that's a good point in the interview to try to bring up and get an idea on because with Nathaniel Hackett, I mean, he was so player friendly. He was a walking man and that was an issue. So can you be balanced for it? And I like D'Amico Ryan's. I think he's a wonderful candidate, but my fifth guy is Leslie Frazier. He there you go. For the one. Buffalo Bills. And the biggest thing, and I think it was Andrew Mason who had a series of tweets out there about it. There is something about the Ron Rivera tree, coaching tree, that does a great job of preparing the guys to be these great balanced CEO type head coaches. 
Sean McDermott. There was another name that he mentioned. And they've all come in and they've all had pretty good success in their teams that to continue on. And Leslie Frazier, he's talked about a lot about what he's picked up from Sean McDermott and how he's changed things since his time in Minnesota, where I mean, his teams weren't great, but I thought he was a fine head coach, not a great one, fine. Um, and that he's improved from then. I mean, his philosophy on defense has changed a little bit. Um, how he calls games has changed a lot with learning from Connor, from John Sean McDermott. He's my fifth guy, and I think that he's the right mindset. I think he's got that good balance with hearing players talk about him from Buffalo, where he's player-friendly, but he's not a walking mat, and he's going to hold you accountable. And if he has to hold you accountable in post-game press conferences or during press conferences, he's going to do it. So he's not afraid to send those public messages that sometimes need to be sent. Demeco Ryan does a really good job of that as well. Like he's not scared to just throw somebody under the bus when he needs to. Um, I, I definitely agree with you. Leslie Frazier was one that doesn't necessarily move the needle to me um, with the, I don't want to call it retread because that, that's not the, the, the direction I want to go with this. The, the way that he kind of flamed out there in Minnesota with the, the lack of accountability from the offensive side of the football, because that defense was always playing great, but they couldn't figure it out offensively. Christian Ponder was a big part of that. Having Christian Ponder as your quarterback is always going to be a, a big flaw there. But with Leslie Frazier, I think where he's at right now, um, this is the perfect opportunity, kind of like Todd Bowles for a little bit, that uh, – that one time head coach that went back and became a great defensive coordinator that now has an opportunity to become another head coach. Um, Bulls has been a tragic failure in Houston, right? Or in, uh, in Tampa Bay here lately, but that's the, the same kind of line that I picture Leslie Frazier being on where he was a quality option, kind of got crapped on a little bit, became and got that career resurrection and, in this particular situation with a strong headed quarterback, that is obviously a problem. Um, an offense that is struggling to find a direction and they need to have that kind of identity built into them. I don't know that Leslie Frazier is the right guy to necessarily take over that role right now. I would like to see what his potential uh, coaching staff looks like on the offensive side of the football but if you're bringing in a guy like him that's an innovator defensively with what he's doing with the with the uh, Buffalo Bills right now, um, to pair with what the Broncos currently have on the defensive side of the football, I I mean I I can get behind that. I just I really want to know what's going to happen with him offensively. And, and same this is the same question I have with Demeco Ryan's is who is your offensive coordinator going to be? Yeah, that's good. I mean anybody that's not defensive minded that you're looking at head coaches, yeah. the offensive coaching staff matters. Um, and you're not wrong. I mean, in Minnesota, there were plenty of issues with accountability and everything, which is why I look at his interviews with his time with the bills, talking about how he's really picked up on how to properly hold people accountable yeah. through the media privately and everything from Sean McDermott. So it's reading into what they're saying and what I've been hearing about their growth as a coach and everything. And Todd Bowles, um, one thing with them is that he always had issues with, you know, everybody always shrugged off because the Jets quarterback position was always a mess and he, his defenses were fine, which is true. But to me, as much as I, I like Todd Bowles is I never got that feeling that he himself grew where he needed to be 
to be yeah. a proper head coaching candidate. No, you're, and you're... Uh, with with Ryan's, I mean, he's a rookie. Like he'll be a rookie head coach, and he's done a great job with the San Francisco defense. And a lot of it, I mean, he's helped develop a lot of players on there, which is one reason too why I like Leslie Frazier is he's helped bring along a lot of players on that Bills defense yeah. with how he is as a coach and how he's grown as it. But yeah, I mean, any coach who's the offensive, even offensive minded coaches, it's who are you bringing in on the offensive side of the ball? Who's going to help sit there and, you know, really be the hands on aspect on the offensive side of the ball? Because I don't want a head coach that their whole thing is the offense is mine. Take that step back. Be that CEO type. That's yeah. what I want for a head coach. So the staff matters for no matter what for me. Both sides of the ball. The, the, yeah. Who the staff is going to be. That's that's obviously an important factor into and this. I, I think that's why I want to go with one of these higher up options. Um, with, with Jim Harbaugh specifically. Because even though he, he was a, an NFL quarterback, was an offensive coach and, and whatnot, he knows how to be that CEO. He knows how to delegate those responsibilities. Dan Quinn was another guy that, despite losing Kyle Shanahan, he still got a lot of high-quality play out of uh, Matt Ryan with Dirk Cutter as his offensive coordinator. Like there's, There was still a, a couple of seasons there where Matt Ryan was a, a very good player. So there's some connections there with, and I don't want Dirk Cutter as the offensive coordinator for this team. If, if it's, if it's uh, Dan Quinn and Dirk Cutter, please just miss me with that. I would take Brian Schottenheimer um, over Dirk Cutter, but with these other young up and coming coaches, like if it's Shane Steichen, you better bring, bring Frank Reich as that, that, that adult in the room, the guy that's going to be more of the CEO. I want to see what Shane Steichen looks like as the head coach first. Um, with uh with the Mecca Ryans for sure this the exact same thing Leslie Frazier I want to see what that offensive side of the, the football looks like there's there, there's so many questions and we're gonna get a lot more answers to those questions here soon obviously but uh like th that's the biggest thing is who's gonna be the the CEO type the head the 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 adult in the room and who's going to quite honestly slap Russell Wilson in the face and say, shut the hell up. It's time for you to just take a step back and understand that you're a player. You're not a coach. You're not what you think you are. We're going to maximize you the way that you need to be maximized and then transform the rest of the roster to do that. That to me is where you have to have that. Uh, that's what you need to have with your new head coach. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. And on that note, I mean, it's the whole thing. It's the same thing with like, retread head coaches or offensive defensive minded coaches you don't really want to hand cripple your search before it begins by saying we only want guys that are willing to be ceo types but you don't go in looking for that you, you that's part of the interview process for me is how willing are you to be to give up some of the control not saying that you have to be completely hands off yep. but you're going to let the offensive coordinator you're going to let the defensive coordinator the special teams coordinator you're going to let them do their thing and you will just be the ceo type managing all of it Overse yep. overseeing it all that's part of the interview aspect for it for yeah. me and that is again such a big part of that and deanna hendry comes in again thank you deanna My we appreciate goodness. it so much it says landau needs to be fired too ever since it came to the broncos we've had soft tissue injuries again hoping you and your families have a great new year same to you i mean it's hope you have a wonderful new year and i hope everybody stay safe tomorrow night and yeah. you know don't drink and drive and everything like that um on the new year's i'm with you um, typically, I'm not one to blame 
the strength and conditioning coach for like the ACL injuries that Denver has suffered, which have been a high, high rate because those are freak injuries. Those like, look at Kyler Murray's. I mean, the dude was running non-contact, like that sucks. Like it can just happen sometimes, but it's a soft tissue injuries. And I have an article up on myliahuddle.com from a couple weeks ago that I really dug into it and the, how much the soft tissue injuries have increased from I believe it was 2017, 2016 to 2017 and beyond when the Broncos made their change. They were bottom, they were top three and fewest unique injuries to causing a player to miss an injury, meaning that they were among the least amount of injuries that caused players to thing. And they made the change at strength and conditioning coach because the guy who's no longer on the team went to bat for him and Philip Lindsay. And I saw a chat about it with Philip Lindsay. Part of the reason why I don't want Philip Lindsay back is for that reason. Yep. He went, he's like, oh, go get this guy. And they brought him in. It wasn't just him. There were others involved to it. But I do hold that against Philip Lindsay a lot. <laughs> and we're still stuck with him. And we're still consistently being there. And we're in the top 10 most injuries every single year since Landau has come in. Every yep. year for unique injuries that have caused the player to miss a game. You can't sit there and continue to stick with that. And it doesn't help when you have a general manager. This is Elway and Peyton both going out there and signing guys who have played three players who have played a total of one full season out of like 17 total seasons in the NFL, one full season. Like you can't be surprised the injuries have happened. You just can't not at this point. You kept stuck with Lauren, Lauren Lando, despite all the evidence that he's being an issue. You've went and signed guys who are showing that injuries have been an issue. Like injuries aren't shocking to me. You've got to make changes there. Lauren Lando needs to be one of the first changes that you make to help the injuries. So this one and right here, it just it, 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 it just it just came in from Gary Hoover here. Can we bring bring back Greek? That's Steve Antonopoulos. He was the uh, longtime head athletic trainer for the uh, for the Broncos for damn, it's got to be thirty some odd years, and he retired a few years ago, right around the same time that they brought in Lauren Landau. Uh, Vince Garcia is currently the uh, head athletic trainer for the Broncos right now. This is where I have to step in here. Strength and conditioning coaches don't necessarily always have to be the first one that you need to blame. It also has to go with rehab. And your first person that you have to look at when it comes to rehabbing particular injuries, sore hamstrings, sore quads, sore calves, sore shoulder muscles, sore... Where does you go? You don't go to your strength and conditioning coach. That's where you build the muscles around to protect your ligaments, to protect your muscles. Where you go to rehab that is your head athletic trainer. When Steve Antonopoulos was the one that retired back in 2018 and also Luke Richardson being fired, bringing in Lauren Landau, it's a combination of the, the thing is where I'm getting at here, guys. When you only use ice and electrical simulation on a muscle to do rehab and not proper stretching and heat training and plyo, uh, plyometrics and stuff like that, there's going to be recurring injuries to the soft tissues. When you're not properly strengthening and conditioning your hamstrings and your quads and stuff like your calves and everything, they all interconnect and they all keep your joints better. They keep your knee joints better. That's where you get ligament injuries. When you have when you have soft tissue injuries that you don't even know are necessarily an injury. Oh, I'm sore in my hamstring right now. Then you go out and you run. Here's a torn hamstring. Then you go out and keep running because we say oh, you're fine as a head athletic trainer. You're fine. You can go out and go keep playing. Guess what? Next thing you know, you blow your ACL. Like It's all tied in together. It's not just the strength and conditioning coaches. And Lauren Landau definitely needs to be held accountable here. But Vince Garcia 
and that training staff that they have full of interns that don't know what the hell they're doing, that's a big problem as well. Rehab and strengthening and conditioning go hand in hand. You strengthen condition first, you rehab second, and then you strengthen condition again. And that's a big problem for this Broncos team right now. To me, Vince Garcia oh. needs to be held on uh, held under the microscope just as much as Lauren Landau does. So when did you say Greek retired? Uh, I believe it was 2018, 2019. Wrong. He'd retired last year. Really? He I was, didn't know that. Okay, so he was above Vince, Gar- uh, Vince Garcia. He's the one who picked the current staff together. He was the one that for four years, 2017 after Lauren Landau came, he was still overseeing the rehab of these soft tissue injuries. Mm. So you can't sit here and defend him. Well, crapping on Vince Garcia for what he's done, because this is the first well, year that's, that's really been fair. Vince that's Garcia. Fair. And on top of that, yes, the rehab of soft tissue injuries, it does matter, but hamstring injuries in of itself have become a four to eight week injury recovery yeah. on that. It's the athletic, tra- it's the strength and conditioning trainer that is supposed to make sure you're properly stretched and you're fed it and you're, um, you know, working it out and everything like that. So you don't suffer them. Once you're, once you're on the hands of the, the rehab, like they're just trying to get you back. Like it's on the strength and conditioner to pro to work you out to where you're preventing those injuries. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not with you with putting blame on the athletic training staff. They're doing what they can with the bad, you know, workouts set up by the strength and conditioning coach that are vastly different from league norms around the NFL. Well, uh, I, I which, guess the problem that I... which has, which leads to the soft tissue injuries. I mean, there's a correlation here between the change at it with the number, with how few soft tissue injuries they had and prior to 2017. And then you make the change and then you have a significant increase. It was like a 50% increase in total soft in individual soft tissue injuries after that change. Like, and then it's continued. So it's not a correlation with the change of the athletic of the training staff, uh, because there really wasn't a change. I mean, Greek's title changed a little bit after the 2017 season, but he was still in charge of it until last year. The, what the big change was strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, that's fair. I got more to say on that, but I'm going to let it go. Uh, with that, guys, we're going to have to get out of here. Uh, thank you all for joining us here on Dove Valley Deep Divers. We appreciate you all for joining us. Make sure you guys are following us on Twitter by finding me at Sanderson MHH and for Eric at Eric Trickle. Also for our producer running the ones and twos behind the scenes here at uh, Scout Kennedy. Thank you, Scott, for joining us tonight. We always appreciate that. Um, also, guys, while you're at it, please make sure you follow on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. That's some other account where you uh, can find breaking news and analysis regarding your Denver Broncos, film breakdowns, opinion articles, Eric player, Eric's player grades, which are coming up here soon in the next couple of days, hopefully. Um, anything regarding the Broncos, you're going to find it at Mile High Huddle. Uh, folks, if you're financially able to do so, please head over to huddleuppod.com. It's a great way to get some new merchandise. There's hats, T-shirts, coffee cups, uh, a onesie for your baby. There's scarves for your dogs if you're in, into that kind of thing. All kinds of cool stuff at huddleuppod.com. Um, and if you're not financially able to do so, um, going over that way or even with Super Chats and Stars donations, which we definitely appreciate, the best thing you guys can do for us is subscribe. Wherever you guys are watching this, uh, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast content, um, it's a great thing to help us out by subscribing to Mile High Huddle. Like every video you guys see across all social media platforms. And if you love it, please share it. Get it in front of as many Broncos fans as humanly possible because without your guys' support, we could not do 
what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos, our Denver Broncos to be it. Now with that, Eric, obviously Christmas last weekend, didn't get to see you last week before the, the show ended, but we got New Year's. Any big plans for this weekend? Uh, no, just going to hang out with the family, going to cook some good food and spend that. And just want to say thank you to Deanna and everybody else who came in and super chat. Yes. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate that. You guys really do enable us to do what, to do this. Like without you guys, I mean, we just wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, not just the support of the super chats and the superstars, but the liking, the sharing, spreading the word around all of it. It's such a tremendous help. And we appreciate you guys for that. And I hope you all have a wonderful new year's. And again, I hope you all stay safe and don't drink and drive and we will see you in a week. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to piggyback off that Deanna, the most massive super chat superstar we've seen in quite a while here on DVDD and just a massive shout out to you. And thank you for, all of your guys' support. Thank you for everybody joining in here with the conversation because as Eric says, like I always say, we couldn't do it without you guys. So with that, guys, you all stay safe. Take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. A happy new year. Please, everybody, like Eric says, do not drink and drive. Take care of yourselves. Enjoy uh, enjoy your, uh, your weekend with your family. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week. And as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.